Just a friendly reminder that if you wish to support the ministries of this podcast or of the local church in which I serve, you may send any donations to 563 East Main Street, Philadelphia, Mississippi, 39350, care of Henry's Chapel, UMC. So this week's text is actually from the book of Jonah, and it's the entire third chapter of the book of Jonah. But uh, seeing as Jonah is a very brief book within the scriptures, and and we know this story very well, I do want to point out that this is part of the larger story. And so before we jump into Jonah chapter 3, let's look at what has happened on the previous couple of chapters. As we know, Jonah is a prophet from the northern kingdom, and he's under King Jeroboam the second. And this, so this is around 786 to 746 BC. And he's been called to go to Nineveh, which is an important Assyrian city. It would actually become the capital. And it's located on the Tigris River in what is now modern day Iraq. But it's located within Assyria, which is known for its brutal treatment of those that they conquer. They're known for their brutality for their opponents, towards their opponents, rather. And each chapter throughout the book of Jonah, in the first chapter, Jonah is called to go to Nineveh. And we hear that he's called to go there, for their evil has come to my attention, is what God says when he's calling him to go. And I can imagine that Jonah's probably afraid to go a bit, because he's he knows about these people from Assyria. So instead of going, he refuses. He, he goes to Joppa and, and on a boat on its way to Tarshish. He goes the exact opposite direction. And while he's on the boat, as we know, things go badly. A uh, storm starts to brew and eventually Jonah confesses to the people on the boat that he's the issue. And he says, just throw me overboard and everything will be okay. And of course, they're going, uh... Okay, and so they oblige. They throw Jonah overboard, and in chapter 2, Jonah is swallowed up by a great fish. And he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This is the story that we really know about Jonah, um, that he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And there, Jonah has this change of heart, and he says, all right, God, I'll go. I'll go to Nineveh. And he and he sings this song of thanksgiving, and the fish, literally, as it says in Scripture, vomited him up onto the dry land. And this is where we jump in to Jonah chapter 3. And we're going to look at the whole chapter. Uh, it's only 10 verses. So, and so Jonah chapter 3 says, the, says these words. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah for a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So this is God literally repeating himself, God's self and saying, I told you once, and now I'm going to give you the same command. Which, side note, points to me the idea of how often we hear a call from God, we ignore it, we, we say we know better, we pursue our own wants and desires, and God repeats to us, no, I said, do this. And so in verse 3 it says, So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out. And this is the message that he had now for all the people in Nineveh. He says, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. 
And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. And when the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, he removed his robe, he covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes, and then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned away from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as we hear, God repeats the initial command to Jonah verbatim and says, I told you once, I'm telling you again, this is this is a recap of what I've asked you to do. Now go and do it. And, and Jonah finally obeys God. Instead of going to Jeroboam or wherever, Jonah says, fine, you've, you've saved me from the belly of the fish. I will go to Nineveh. And he goes into the center, center of the city and cries out, just 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. And when you hear this, and you, if you know, as we've kind of talked about previously, the, about the Assyrian people, that they are brutal people and they treat those in opposition very brutally and they're known for this and they're known to be conquerors. This does not seem like a good idea. In fact, we would almost expect Jonah to come out to a violent end that, I mean, you think about it, they're known for how they treat people that oppose them. And this man walks in and goes, hey, 40 days, y'all are done. Many people would probably take that as a threat and would say, no, 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 you're done now. But the end that we expect or would expect is not the end that we get. Because while we would expect resistance from the people and especially from the king, we, we hear this message from a foreign man preaching about a foreign god. The people of Nineveh would definitely have to have some sort of trouble hearing these words and hearing it as anything other than an idle threat. But we hear that right after that, it, it, it says in verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God. The people embrace this word. And what is their response to this word? It's repentance. They say, okay, all right, we're good. Sorry, uh, we're going to stop doing what we're doing. They believe God and not only that, but they go so far as to proclaim a fast, a fast rather, and they dress in their mourning clothes. And it turns, it kind of ends anticlimactically. I mean, you've, we've spent, almost two and a half chapters of Jonah looking at how Jonah knows about these people, does not like these people because of their brutal nature, because of their the, what they've been 
classified as and says, I'm not going. He runs away. He gets eaten by a fish. He gets puked up on dry land. He finally goes, fine, and, and, and kind of begrudgingly decides to go and walks in and goes, in 40 days, you're done. And their response is, oh, okay, well, we'll fix it. We'll stop. We're sorry. It's kind of an anticlimactic end. If you were making a movie or writing a book, this is not how you would have it end. You would have definitely have John at least try to have some sort of convincing to do. So, but after this reluctance that Jonah has shown, there's almost no resistance. Had, had Jonah just done what was asked, this this book would literally be maybe a chapter if written at all. And it goes on to say that it's not just the people that go, we don't want to be wiped out. Oh God, we're sorry. We repent. But it gets to the king and the king joins in. He, he announces, he, he sends out a decree of his extreme devotion to the fast that is happening. He says, not only will the people, but even our animals and our flocks. He says, everybody and everything within this kingdom. He, he has this radical inclusiveness when he says, we will respond, how we will respond to God and to Jonah's proclamation of God's will. Everyone from the king to the livestock participate, which points us to the idea and the reality that the, the message that God has applies to everyone, regardless of their social status, regardless of their economic wealth, or, or, or in this case, even apparently their species, that this message applies to all of creation that all have strayed from the will of God and all need to repent. And, and we know, as we look at Nineveh, the why, what is it that they are repenting from? It's because they've benefited from the fruits of war and empire building. And, and as we hear this, we must be honest with ourselves because I think we can't just look at this text and say, oh, that happened then. But we have to look at it and say, what does that say to us now? Because if we're honest, we as people are reaping the benefits of the quote-unquote fruits of war and empire building. We, we have reaped the benefits of, our, uh, of standing on the backs of others to further our own kingdoms and our own empires. And we, I know I've said this before, but we need to realize the benefits that we reap at the hindrance of others. And, I, and this is what, as I was going, and I remember being in seminary and walking into a Christian ethics class and, and hearing the term white privilege and becoming so enraged by that term because I was like, I don't, I've, I'm, I, I don't benefit. And then as I started to unpack what that really looks like and the fact that I don't have to fear for anything and, and the fact of how I am treated differently just because I won the genetic lottery, for lack of a better way of putting it, but that I am a white male born in America, that I, I, I don't need to, to worry about my life. That God, I, I must admit, while I cannot change any of that, I must repent for the ways in which I have promoted that kingdom even unknowingly. That I have 
pushed this systemic way in which others have been oppressed while I have been put on a pedestal. Oh God, help us all open our eyes and our ears and our minds that we may see the benefits that we possess and how that, oh God, is or that we have won those and received those benefits because they have been on the backs of others. But that the reason that we receive privilege, whether it be because of where we are born or the color of our skin or our gender or whatever the reason, that the reason that we receive privilege nine times out of ten is because someone else is having to be oppressed. Oh God, open our eyes and help us to bring about your kingdom here. To seek the unity of all people, that all are your beloved children. Oh God, help us to stop seeking the building of our own empire to the detriment of our neighbor. And help us to realize that the kingdom in which the empire in which we are called to build here and now is the same empire that we pray when we pray our Lord's Prayer, that your kingdom will come. Help us to build an empire of love, grace, and mercy, O God, instead of this empire of hate and division and violence that we see. So the mercy of God is shown at the end of chapter 3. It says God changed God's mind and about the calamity that he said he would bring about to them. And I, and this comes after the king and all the Ninevites are held accountable for their evil acts and after they come to terms with their actions. See, this points us to the fact that the first part of repentance, because that's what this really is, is it's the story of Nineveh's repentance. They realize what they have done. But that's the first part of repentance is acknowledging and accepting what you have done. And I think this is the part where for many of us that we find ourselves this day is we find ourselves going, I'm not, I've done nothing wrong. We, we, we find ourselves living in a what about society where even if we start to kind of feel a little bit guilty, we point to someone else and go, but what about them? What about them? And what this is pointing us to is no, acknowledge for yourself the ways in which you have promoted a kingdom of division, hate, and violence. Acknowledge for yourself the ways in which you have strayed from promoting the kingdom of God. Acknowledge for yourself the ways in which you have sought self over God. Acknowledge for yourself those things that you have done that are not of God's will. Acknowledge and accept. Now, acceptance does not mean condone what you have done. It just means come to the reality that this is a fact. This is truth. Because honesty is the first step to healing. So often, the reason that we can't, we wonder why there's not reconciliation, why there's not healing going on in our country and in our world, and it's because nobody's willing to be honest. We're all hiding behind veils of lies and half-truths that we have created for ourselves to pacify our own selves to make us feel better. So we must acknowledge those ways in which, and be honest about the way what we have done and the ways in which our society has catered and not catered. And when then, when we acknowledge and accept them, we must confess. And not only confess and say, this is what it is, but to turn away from, which is what repentance truly means, to turn away from and to go in the opposite direction. And as we turn away, to move forward. 
to not just turn away and stand and stay in the same spot, but move forward in a way away from what is not of God's kingdom. But if you look in Jonah chapter four, you see Jonah's reaction to how God reacts. Jonah gets upset that God doesn't destroy Nineveh. He, he leaves the city and he throws a temper tantrum, essentially. And, he, and God teaches Jonah a lesson about compassion. With a shrub provided or, or that provided him with shade. And while Jonah is upset that the city is not destroyed, I, I mean, this, this points us to how we so often react. We go, all right, I'm going to proclaim God's good news, but God's going to smite you. Because you deserve it. Because you you didn't vote like I did. You don't think like I did. We don't fall into the same group think. We don't act the same way or whatever. You don't look like me, whatever the reason. And we find ourselves going, I, I mean, I'll proclaim God's good news. I'll, talk, I'll say that God loves you, but man, my real hope is that God just wipes you out. And I think we get so caught up in our own righteousness that we say that, our, we, we say that my anger is justified. And we miss the point because we miss the point thinking that our vent, that the vengeance is ours to have or anger is ours to have. And vengeance is not justice. Anger is not justice. And what we are called to seek as the disciples of Christ is justice, is just living for all. And, in, and God asked Jonah in chapter four, verses four and nine, it says, it is right for him. Is it right for you to be angry? And this seems to be kind of a rhetorical question where, where as Christians we read it and go, well, absolutely it's not, right? But perhaps as we're reading this, from the, and for many of us, we're hearing this from our, our position of privilege, we, we find ourselves, maybe we need to ask this question. Do the oppressed and marginalized people have a right to be angry? The answer is yes. Does Jonah have a right to be angry? Yes. Does that anger justify denying our enemies the opportunity for repentance and reconciliation? Absolutely not. There, there are reasons that things should anger you, but that does not keep you from repentance and reconciliation and unity and love. So how does anger factor into how we act and interact? How does anger affect how we perceive justice? How does anger affect how we perceive reconciliation? You see, I think we've spent a lot of time over the past few years looking at the other. And what this is calling us to do is to take on the robe of the Ninevites and look at ourselves. Acknowledge the things that we have done. The ways in which we have acted that are not in line with God's love for God's people. Acknowledge the ways in which we have received privilege that has oppressed the other. Acknowledge the ways in which we have promoted our own kingdom and our earthly kingdoms over God's. Repent, turn away, and seek the kingdom of God this day. For the kingdom of God is for all people. Let us all seek that kingdom of love, grace, mercy, and unity. Let us seek to usher in a new kingdom. One that is not labeled by division, hate, and violence, but one that is known by its love, unity, and acceptance. Let us seek 
to bring about God's kingdom here on earth. As we pray, let thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen and amen.